and the genre is not always singable, the style's not always participatory, and the idea of a group of people coming humbly before their king, kneeling down and giving him their offering, has often been replaced by us being a passive audience while a priest performs. Hey you guys, this is Matt McCoy with Loop Community, and I'm here to tell you about an event that I'm really excited about, Worship Innovators Conference. It's taking place in Chicago, June 8 and 9, this year. You want to be there. I'm going to be there teaching classes on how to use Ableton Live, how to use tracks, but some of my friends are also going to be there teaching classes, like Ryan Dahl from Praise Charts, walking you through how to write your own chord chart, Brian Wall from Worship Tutorials, talking about the latest in guitar technology, Jake Goslin from Churchfront is going to be teaching about how to integrate lyrics and lighting and automate everything. Worship Innovators is for worship leaders who want to learn how to use the best and leading technology today available for worship leaders. It's all to help make your worship service more impactful and just flow easier. You're going to learn all sorts of awesome things, and you get to just hang out with all the companies you love, like Praise Charts and Worship Tutorials and Onsong. Pro Church Tools is going to be there. Sunday Sounds will be there. So I want to see you there. Sign up and reserve a spot for your team as well. You can reserve your spot today at worshipinnovators.com. You don't want to miss this. Hey, everybody, what's up? We have an awesome interview for you today with Malcolm DePlessis. He's a songwriter, and he has developed a ton of other top songwriters in worship music. And he's also had a number of different roles in the industry. Matt McCoy is going to be interviewing him about the history of worship. They're going to talk about the state of worship songs right now, and also how Malcolm thinks we need to explore more subject matter for writing worship songs. It's a really interesting interview. And you can check out more from Malcolm at commonhymnal.com. He's going to talk a lot about that in the interview as well. So here's our interview with Malcolm DePlessis. Well, Malcolm, thanks so much for joining the Luke Community Podcast. Good to talk to you again. Thanks, man. I have been wanting to get you on this podcast for a long time because since my wife and I had dinner with you about a year ago, uh-huh. I remember just so loving our conversation and connecting because I really feel like you just have such a good sense of just where worship has been, where it's going, just the state of <laughs> worship in the church. And okay. I just really loved talking with you about I remember you sharing with me kind of like the history of worship music over the past hundred years. And I thought, I bet you there's a lot of worship leaders, you know, a 17 year old worship leader who has no idea, like the people that were before him doing this, you know, and where that started. And so I thought it'd be awesome. You know, you run Common Hymnal, so I want to talk about that too. But I thought it'd be cool if you could just even just kick us off and start off with giving us just a, give me a history of worship in the church and how has worship music in the church changed over the past, you know, hundred years or so. Um, thanks, Matt, for the, the comments and stuff. Um, if I've got a spiel, it's this. God's original intent for his worshiping community was that they would serve him and serve one another as a collaborative community of priests. And he prophesied and spoke to the nation of Israel through Moses, saying, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests, a community where everybody have, would have vital part to play. But throughout history, that's been a struggle. That idea was reinforced in the New Testament. The life and the ministry of Jesus 
once again, the church was described as a royal priesthood. The, the, the church has been described as a priesthood of believers, a kingdom of priests where everybody has a part to play. And the greatest gift of worship that we can give to Christ is when each of us come together and, and play a valuable part. The trouble is that that's been a struggle. And three years into our journey as the church, we moved literally for the first 300 years of the church, we met in the evenings over a meal in small environments in hospitality scenarios. Hmm. But 300 years into our journey, we moved from, from, from the community to formality and to aesthetic buildings, which had value. And I'm not slamming the aesthetic buildings, but I'm, I'm, I'm making a commentary on the sociological undertones of worship is, 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 was, was what we discussed that night when we had dinner together. Right. Basically, we, we shifted. And for 1,000 years, when people came together as God's community to, in the Western world to worship, one guy sang at the front in a style of music that nobody could participate in and everybody else observed. And the sociological movement of the last 800 years, prior to the Reformation, through the Reformation, and through the Pentecostal a revival of the last hundred years has been the restoration of the priesthood of believers. So prior to um, Martin Luther posting his protests against corruption in the church and, and campaigning for the priesthood of believers, which was his, his core message, um, Jan, well, first of all, it was John Wycliffe in, in England. He was a, a prophetic voice and he said, if we are the real community, we need to have access. If we're going to be a kingdom of priests, we need to each have access to the scriptures. And he campaigned for the Bible to be translated from Latin into English and and um, got into big trouble and was persecuted heavily. His writings affected this fellow called Jan Hus in the Republic of Bohemia, who took the logic one step further and said, if we should have access to the scriptures in our language, surely we should be able to engage with God in our language and not just watch some other dude singing in Latin. And he campaigned for the for songs to be written in the vernacular in a style that people could sing along with. And he was persecuted and ultimately burned at the stake in 1415. Wow. So Jan Hus was had was, uh, a short life for what we do easily today. 1450, the printing press was developed the bible was then was being able to be was being able to print it freely and in 1501 the bohemians that Jan Hus led printed the first ever hymn book and the first thing that Martin Luther did when he when he sort of kicked off the reformation his european ministry tour was he started translating the bohemian brethren songs into into german and, and, and the subtext of the Reformation in many ways, I'm not talking about the theological dynamic, but the sociological subtext is when we come to God, when we minister, we do it as a community, as a team. Every single person has dignity wow. in, the, in the process. And, 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 and whether it was the introduction of choirs or communal eldership teams, all, every, every denomination had another thing they brought to the table. Finally, the Pentecostal movement of the 2000, of the, the last century, rather. Uh, it, yes, it's about the Holy Spirit and about power, but the subtext of the Pentecostal slash charismatic movement is there's so many ways that we can participate. We don't, we're not just limited to certain outlets. If someone's sick, there's gifts of healing. 
If someone's down tr- troubled, someone can speak God's word to them. And the Pentecostal movement opened up new opportunities for people to play. Enter the worship movement of the last 50 years, and I'll, you know, I'll try to sort of like nail it. The contemporary worship music was initiated in the 60s. And the, the last 50 years of the worship movement has slowly undone some of the progress that was made in the previous 800 years in terms of us being a worshiping community that come to the throne of God as a group of people together and on a level playing field. Yeah, so are you saying that it's kind of, in the 60s, we kind of went back to maybe the late 1300s where there was one person up on stage? Well, I think we got there. We, we started the journey. We got, to me, we got there in the millennium, in the 2000s. In the um, in the sixties, we just introduced the idea of praise and worship. We moved from singing "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God" to singing "I Love You, Lord." Mm. So we didn't need a choir director or a, someone conducting us up front, or someone leading a liturgy. We needed someone to just help facilitate a more intimate expression. A very personal song. Seventies, mm-hmm. it immediately became a business. And a genre and worship music. It was, it was something happened in America, and I say this respectfully as a foreigner, but America's given to enterprise. So this beautiful thing of worship suddenly became record labels, plural. And um, and do you think that began the, in America? Because I know that you know Europe also has that, and Australia. But do you think it started in America? Uh, America perfects enterprise. Well, let's put it that way and respectfully. It was YWAM. It was David and Del Garrett who made the first ever real contemporary worship record in 69 in Auckland, New Zealand with bass and drums. Wow. And um, But they quickly were drawn into America and helped America form the first like, label. Interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hammering America. but um, No, I know. <laughs> but, but the next thing that happened in the 80s, because of this worship phenomenon, the seamless worship set was innovated really by John Wimber and and the idea of let's not do all the liturgy let's not do the Pentecostal liturgy which was different than the Anglican liturgy the Pentecostal liturgy involved someone yelling and telling everybody to raise their hands and be grateful and John Wimber kindly said let's cut all of that stuff out and let's just honor Jesus and so the the seamless worship set with very little interplay was an innovated in the 80s. In the 90s, that was kind of replaced because a new generation came up and we and the genre changed. Everything changed. We went from the worship leader to the worship band. We went from intimate West Coast light jazz fusion music to stadium rock. And this and, and the worship celebrity was born and and, and it, we just took it to another we took another twist and the turn, and the idea of God's people being a community or participating became less and less an option because when the music got louder and when the lights were put off and when there was smoke and, 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 and stuff going on, we became an audience and less of participants in the worship encounter. Right. And in the, in the last 20 years, that's just been taken to a whole nother level, and we've produced it unbelievably. Yeah. So the net result... Is we once again, I think, have a priest. The worship leader is a very desired ministry. And the genre is not always singable. The style's not always participatory. And the idea of a group of people coming humbly before their king, kneeling down and giving him their offering, has often be, been replaced by us being a passive audience while a priest 
upfront um, performs the rites and the ritual. Yeah, that's really interesting because I do feel like even just we've just kind of dug more and more into that in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. So do, is there any, are there any trends you see as far as like, are, are we, where are we heading next? You know, is it just going to kind of repeat history where maybe it's going to go back to choirs? and? I'm a number one on the Enneagram. I've been a reformer my whole life. I don't know how to answer that question because I'm now at the age where I'm not sure about how efficient trying to change systems actually is. I've, I think I've cottoned onto the fact that innovation happens on the fringes. Jesus came from the fringes. John the Baptist was not mainstream. And so much of the stories and the, and, and the progress of God in the scriptures and the history has started on the outskirts. What's happening next is millennials are checking out. Yeah. Some of them are mad. Some of them are confused, angry, cynical, hurt. But yep. Some are not. Some are just innovating. And I just think there's innovation, a season of innovation on the fringe, which will birth new kinds of communities and a new approach. And it's probably going to take 15 years yeah. for that to really, really take shape. I, yeah, I totally agree. It's interesting. I feel like I've even noticed it more, even in the past couple of years of mm-hmm. a younger generation. I think they just can sniff out fake a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think they're just kind of tired of, you know, celebrity pastors, celebrity you know, just this, a show, I think they're really just wanting something deeper, more community based and, and they're leaving because of it or maybe starting their own kind of thing on the side, or I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where the next, where it's going to go. I read the stats, the Bonner report in 2017 said 50% of millennials who grew up in the church have left in 2018. The percentage went from 50 to 59. Wow. There's a movement but as I said, not not all those youngsters are mad. Some of them are just are creative and are saying, "Okay, it's time for something, yeah, something new." And and so I, I, I think there's going to be new in in a whole new day in Christianity. Yeah, it's interesting. I I have some friends who have who grew up in non denominational mega churches their whole life, mm-hmm. and they've left and they're going to like an Anglican church. Mm-hmm. which has much more liturgy and singing scripture, very community-based. Because for, for 20 years now, we've just had, it's been rock and roll. There's just a generation of people who are longing to feel the presence, not only of the Holy Spirit, but of the church. <laughs> and so when you go to church, when it's so loud, and you like me and you sing bad, well, you don't sing loud because you don't want the person in front of you to have a bad morning. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you just sing less. There's less singing happening in Christianity than ever before. Yeah. And um, so the the liturgy, the, the kids who've grown up in um, mega churches who go into liturgy, it's just that when you go in the liturgy and you hear the voices of the community saying, and peace be with you too, and you feel the presence of the church, it feels good. Mm. When United Pursuits, who were more in that season and the charismatic phase, those young guys who I'm very involved with, I'm, I'm not going to speak about them as though there's someone over there, but um, those guys were initiated, initiated something and they said, let's worship in the living room. Now everybody worships in the living room, but in 2010, that was an innovation because they just wanted to feel the presence 
of the other worshippers. They wanted, they emoted or they intuited the kingdom of priests that I, I talked mm. about a few minutes ago. Right. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. Mm. Um, let's just say you're having coffee with like a 18-year-old, 19-year-old worship leader who's on staff at a church, you know, and they're, you know, it's a non-denominational church and they're doing kind of the worship rock band thing. Because that's really who we're talking to in this podcast. Like a lot of okay. worship guys who are on staff at a church like that. What would you encourage them to do? Because it's kind of like, it would almost feel daunting of just like, well, this is all I know how to do. This is what my job is. This is what I'm employed to do. Because <laughs> we all want impactful worship services and an impactful uh, church community. But wh- how can a worship leader who's on staff at a church and like like that do that? Like what are... What would you encourage them to kind of be exploring? I, I, obviously, I do what you've just asked pretty much most days, multiple times a week, because that's what I've become in my old age. And um, my mission is as follows. Christianity has become a, a photocopy machine, a Xerox machine. And, and a few people just copy out stuff, and, every, and they, they create the templates, and everybody else you know, puts in the colors and stuff. My mission to those young guys and girls is just to is to tell them stuff like I've just talked to you about, and then to just make them crazy curious, <laughs> crazy hungry, because what we have now is we've become passive. Praise and worship has become a karaoke franchise. Mm-hmm. The the few resource the many, the few innovate, and then the rest just go through the motions and do cover versions. Of right. a few people's creativity. Wow. That's possibly not a good thing to be in. And the only way to get out of that is for this generation to become hungry, to become detectives. This generation knows how to search the internet and go find stuff and explore and think new stuff and come up with new apps and, and new approaches. We desperately need curiosity and thoughtfulness in the church we do not need to be lulled and to be a karaoke franchise right just not copying but being creative and using your own god-given gifts to you know bring something new and fresh to the church so what we sing about it, it in some ways this is also my cynical side in some ways praise and worship is like mad libs there's like 500 words and you just put them in this different order in every in, <laughs> in a few songs yeah but but not only do we have one fewer people influencing but the net result is we have less subject matter that we sing about when i you know you and i you're much younger than me but when when i became a christian we sang about all kinds of things we sang songs about being the church we sang songs about spiritual warfare repentance it's been 20 years since a repentance song has really gone viral in christianity we don't do that we sing about mountains and about wonder. Hmm. Yep. We've got very limited subject matter. Where are the youngsters that are just saying, let's explore other subject matter? Yeah. So I'm preempting, but the project I'm involved with, today's generation is very interested in justice and in the state of our world. We don't, we're not singing about those things in the kingdom of God. And there's so much that the, if you just read through the Psalms, there's such a broad amount of subject matter yeah. we've reduced the subject matter to positive songs that just say god's wonderful if you thought he was good yesterday 
my goodness me, he's 10 times better today, I promise you. And it went, we went from thousands to 10,000s to millions, and now, we, now we're at the billions. And it's, the next song is going to be trillions, and, and, and at some point that becomes white noise. Yeah, that's right on. I, it's funny because I was just driving in the car this morning listening to a new song that just came out. Um, and, every, and I was listening to it, and every single line was like the hit line of another big worship song. Correct. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable that it's just the same, we're saying the same thing and God is so much bigger than these 500 words, these 500 sentences that we keep reusing. Yes. And I think about, you know, just the scripture of like, sing to the Lord a new song, like not uh-huh. copying, like a new one, not copying another one, not taking pieces from other ones. Like what's on your heart and what's what's a new song? So I would I would love and I know that that's what you're doing with common hymnal. So can you just explain to everybody just what is common hymnal? Common hymnal's been a me following the yellow brick road of my life journey. It's, it's morphed into the following. Common hymnal is an is an initiative that I've instigated, but I'm slowly not the leader of. It's it's basically me instigating that that as I said as a reformer I've come to the conclusion that most of my reformation work has gone unsuccessful. But most of the innovation I've done on the sidelines of my life has borne fruit and been strangely rewarding. And I'm just seeing more and more young millennials disconnect, not find their place in the system of church as it currently exists and do fresh new things. Many of them being quite healthy, healthier than much of the church I'm exposed to. And so how come it was me walking the streets of the world, finding these waves and strays and saying, let's build community of those who are on the fringes and, um, Mm -hmm. and aggregating those songs, aggregating those people and just being on a very slow, purposeful mission to just bring encouragement and support to those. It's a, it's a website um, which is a library of different songs and stories and, and, and ideas that are just coming out, what I call the spiritual underground. The overground is legit, it's well-intentioned, it's well-purposed, it's important, it has dignity. There's nothing funny about it. But under every tree, there's a root system, which is um, finding fresh fresh supplies and generating life. And I'm the common hymnal is just basically an aggregation point for that. And and so one of the emphases of that community has been, please, let's not sing the same song over again. We're dealing with a world in which sexual abuse is a major subject on the landscape of the world. The Me Too movement is enormous, but Christianity has been, for the most part, conspicuously silent. God bless Beth Moore and a oh, few, gosh, yeah. you know, powerhouses but for the most part we've been quiet so we've so we've written songs that are worship songs in the context of sexual abuse we've we've written songs in the context of racism uh unnecessary brutal murders of young black kids things that are very real in our country and we've been writing songs in those contexts and it's been encouraging inspiring and uh, it's been a slow burn for four or five years. We've just been building community. And then this year, we just started releasing some songs that we put a little bit more effort into, produced them, 
and have released them. And so instead of just peddling an idea, we, we're just showing the first fruits of what it has been to gather and coalesce the people from the spiritual underground. Yeah, I've watched some of the song videos on YouTube. Highly encourage everybody listening to this to check that out. On the website, it says, this world is full of believers whose voices are not being heard because they do not fit into the mainstream Christian culture. And it's funny because like, it makes me kind of think like, is it like almost like the island of misfit toys in a way? Or like we hosted a songwriting retreat a couple months mm-hmm. ago and people came in from all over to write songs. And these were not like worship rock stars. These were not worship celebrities. These were just like just random people around the United States who love to write songs. Yes. And I will tell you that I came home from that event and told my wife that I think it's my favorite event we've ever done because I watched people just come to life. Like we just poured some water on them and then just let them shine and let them use their gifting. And it wasn't like we were writing for some big worship album or some Uh big worship band. We were just writing for the joy of it. And the way that we saw people just come to life was just so awesome. And it kind of reminds me like of what's happening here with Common Hymnal. Yeah, it's still the same, same thing. I've just, we've just gathered ordinary people with some talents and some hunger. And honestly, I've been surprised. When I say surprised, it sounds embarrassing, but I've been shocked at the way God Almighty has made himself known in our get-togethers. Our hearts have been tenderized. I, I'm definitely the old person who's been involved in Orthodox Christianity, who's definitely taking a risk, gathering all the misfits. And I don't think that sometimes when we get together, it's supposed to be so powerful. But I don't know that I've experienced um, the presence of God and the, and the beauty of Christ for 30 years, like I'm experiencing at these random events, just like you've described. Mm-hmm. It's just my hearts are just tender. Yeah. Um, because it's not white noise. Yeah. At some at some point it's bec- it's all become quite boring. Right. And we're almost addicted to the big production that it just has to be huge and we're almost uncomfortable with just the quiet, tender, simple, you know, maybe not flashy and fancy, but just time together in a living room playing songs that you've never heard before and singing songs you've never heard before with other worship leaders. Uh-huh. Well, if you look at our project, we produced some, and we did these house, a house show outside Nashville, and we did it the best we could. But then we also just had fun and, and recorded a bunch of songs. Everybody was tired. Everybody was exhausted. People were literally falling asleep. It's definitely not produced. It's, it's, it's not even unproduced. <laughs> it's like the, the, it's, as far from fancy as you could imagine and um but it was special right and people are just longing for for organic and real yeah and um and so to be a part of common something. Himmel, yeah and common was just basically exploring in the on the fringes we're not in a rush we're not afraid of it succeeding or being a blessing but that's not the goal the goal isn't to get the songs into church and build a platform the goal is just to serve and encourage and be building slowly something that can hopefully be healthy yeah. for a, hopefully a decently long period of time. How can a worship leader get involved and be a part of the community? 
The best thing, I think, is to go to commonhymnal.com or any of the socials, you know, instagram.com forward slash commonhymnal. But best go to the website and just sign up for the newsletter because what we're going to do as we finish releasing this first batch of music is start communicating a a plan, a strategy for building community worldwide. It's a lovely season. Our, our project's really, really on the down low, and we definitely are, want to grow carefully, but people are coming out the woodwork everywhere. Things are happening on a daily basis, and it's been fun. It's been a surprise. We, I think I'm shocked, personally. I think we've got some ideas about how to slowly build. We don't want to build an organization. We're not trying to brand something. We don't need to fund reps or regional managers. We're not trying to build a system, but we'd like to just build ultimately an, an alliance of alliances, hmm. um, a network of networks of just these, you know, gather at least people like myself who gather people together and, and, and challenge them and, and make them think and, and build relationships with just dozens and hundreds and, you know, maybe thousands of those people and just and, and just bring build an underground resourcing network a, a system of just bringing encouragement and support right to people who are innovating on the fringes that's awesome well all right so make sure you go sign up at common hymnal get a part of this malcolm i really appreciate i've always just really enjoyed our conversations and i am thankful you, for your man. heart for connecting worship leaders and connecting just people being in community and um I'm just I'm just really blessed by it and I appreciate also your your heart to just father musicians and father worship leaders and songwriters. I just think that um we need more of that. There's a lot of absolutely young musicians, songwriters, worship leaders that don't have really like a um a worship father to guide and direct them. And so I just think your voice is one of those and I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the Loop Community Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.